This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay and had a good weekend. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast on Monday, June the 13th. Coming up, find out about the Pride Tour that's starting in Maidstone today. Plus, we've got details on a heatwave due to hit Kent this week. But first, two legal challenges have been taking place today, just hours before the first flight is due to take asylum seekers from the UK to Rwanda. You may have heard about this controversial policy before, and it was announced by the Prime Minister during a visit to Lyd in Kent earlier this year. Since then, it's faced an awful lot of criticism. Well, a charity has been at the High Court while a case has been heard in the Court of Appeal after a ruling was made on Friday allowing tomorrow's flight to go ahead. The government still insists its plan is legal. So let's hear first today from Environment Secretary George Eustace. The Home Secretary has looked at this, government lawyers have looked at this, and actually, we think well, what we propose uh, is, in, is, in fact, entirely lawful. And uh, indeed, of course, there was a court challenge um, last week. Uh, the court upheld our, our right to take this step. And the reason we're doing it is it's very important people understand this. You know, we have a tragic high number of deaths of people trying to cross the channel. And we've got people smugglers that are exploiting that misery and putting lives at risk. And we've got to, to, to send a very clear signal that... Uh, you know, this this isn't something we're going to allow to continue. So as well as, yes, interrupting uh, those gangs, we have to make clear that they're not going to be able to just necessarily come to the UK, that we will process them uh, in, a, in a country, in a, a centre in Rwanda, so that we can actually try and stop the demand in order to stop putting lives at risk. That's why we're doing this. It's something actually that um, uh, the governments and oppositions have talked about as a potential solution for a very long time, going back some 20 years. And it is, we think, the right thing to do in order to try to address this problem of people putting their lives at risk, uh, risk and, and putting their lives in the hands of um, terrible people smugglers. Boris Johnson has also been speaking about it and insisted it's the right thing to do. I've been very clear that throughout, I think if you go back to the, the speech I, uh, I gave about what we were trying to do right at the beginning when we uh, announced the policy, I always said that it would begin with a lot of teething problems and you would have uh, a lot of uh, legal action against it. But I, and, and, and they would try and delay it. And, you know, uh, that's, in, that's inevitable. But what we're trying to do is stop the business model of criminal gangs who are preying on people, moving them across the channel in unseaworthy vessels, risking their lives and sometimes costing their lives. However, as I've already said, it's faced an awful lot of criticism and many charities are calling for safe and legal routes for refugees to be set up instead. We've been chatting to Graham McGregor. He's from human rights organisation Detention Action, which is among groups that have brought that legal challenge against the government. This is what he's had to say. First of all, we believe that um, essentially what this policy represents is a punishment of people seeking asylum in the UK based on how they arrived in the country. Um, now, that is fundamentally a violation of the Refugee Convention and, and a number of human rights laws. Um, and the reason for that is that, um, you know, when people are fleeing uh, conflict or persecution, when they are trying to reach not just safety, but a place where they can rebuild their lives, perhaps where they already have family, um, 
they often are forced to flee without paperwork. They are often forced to cross borders in a way that violates sort of local laws or national laws of the country that they're entering. Um, and what the Refugee Convention does is it protects the people seeking asylum from being punished for doing that because it recognizes that sometimes that's just a necessary thing that they have to do um, in order to be safe. So what this policy, what we're saying uh, in legal terms that the, the Rwanda policy is doing is essentially punishing people for crossing the channel, um, you know, by boat in an irregular fashion, and that that's not allowed under the Refugee Convention. We're also disputing uh, the Home Secretary Priti Patel's claim that Rwanda is a safe third country to send people seeking asylum to. Um, that's not to say that Rwanda itself is not a great country that has many you know, positive aspects and that the Rwandan people are not great people. It's to say that the Rwandan asylum system um, and legal system is not uh, sufficient to protect these specific people um, with these specific asylum claims. So we're making those are those are the, there are a number of other grounds, but those I'd say those are the two most important ones. Um, and we really, you know, we we really strongly going beyond the legal challenge. We really feel that the whole premise of um, the Rwanda policy, this idea of trying to deter people from seeking asylum here, really misses the point of what's happening here. This government over the last several years has shut down or closed off a lot of the safe routes that were in place for people to, to reach the UK and seek asylum. So, um, you know, there was a, a direct resettlement scheme for Syrians through which the UK resettled 5,000 Syrian refugees a year. That's no longer in operation. So Syrian people trying to reach the UK now have no choice but to take a dangerous journey across the channel. Similarly for Afghans, we know that there are Afghans being threatened with going to Rwanda. Um, after that initial evacuation, once the Taliban you know, took over again, uh, this government promised to set up resettlement routes, uh, safe routes for Afghans fleeing, fleeing the Taliban. They haven't done that. So now what we see, of course, with no other choice is Afghan people trying to reach the UK. Maybe they acted as interpreters for the British army. Maybe they have family here. They have no choice but to cross the channel. And what the government's doing is they're forcing people's hands in a way. They're forcing them into this dangerous route and then they're punishing them for taking that route. Well, the MP for Dover has criticised those making legal challenges. Natalie Elphick has said it's disappointing to see the courts being misused by political activists who support uncontrolled immigration. Well, you can let us know today what you think about the plan. Is it the right thing to do? Or if it's not, what should be done instead? If anything, you can comment at Kent Online. You can also drop a message via our socials. Just search for Kent Online on Facebook and Twitter. Kent Online News. Other top stories for you today. And a 17-year-old girl's been raped on a train travelling between Eltham and Dartford. The podcast has been told she was attacked in one of the toilet cubicles last month. A 19-year-old man's been arrested and released on bail. Officers say they're keen to speak to anyone with information about what happened. Three teenage boys have been arrested following a suspected gang attack in Broadstairs. Four or five people reportedly told targeted another group in the high street on Friday and police say they seized a knife. Two of the three suspects have been released on bail while the other remains in custody. It's emerged a tree surgeon died after being crushed at a National Trust property in Kent. Debbie Austin was working to bring down a diseased ash tree at Item Moat near Sevenoaks last December. An inquest has heard how colleagues tried to save her while two people walking nearby called emergency services. However, she sadly died at the scene. With a 42-year-old's partner, Michelle Austin-Jones has paid 
tribute. This is what she had to say. To finally find the love you've been searching for all of your life and then to lose her four years later is unbearable. Debbie truly was a beautiful soul, strong and inspirational. I will miss her for the rest of my life. Debbie always put 100% into everything she did. She truly was one in a million, so full of love, life and laughter. She is irreplaceable. The world is a much darker place without her. She will be missed terribly by all her family and friends. We read Michelle's statement for you there. The inquest jury reached a conclusion of accidental death. Now, as the price of fuel continues to rise, we've been finding out how businesses in Kent are being affected. According to the RAC, the price of a litre of petrol has risen by a penny a day over the last week. Unleaded is now at £1.85 a litre, so filling up a typical sized family car will set you back a whopping £102. Diesel is even more expensive at £1.90 a litre. Alistair Bayliss is the director of Bayliss Executive Travel, which is based near Dover, and he's been speaking to our reporter, Jamie. We rely on, on fuel in absolutely everything that, that we do, so... Um, our costs have, have, have naturally risen by, well, just frightening, if, if truth be told. I mean, we, 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 we've, we've, done, we've done some workings out and uh, you'd be horrified at the, at the levels and, and the extra fuel that we're spending on a weekly basis. It's just, it's just very, very tough. And how much would it cost to fill up one of your vehicles, for example, at the moment? Um, so some of, some of the larger... Uh, vehicles that we've got, I've got a thousand litre tanks. So where that used to cost us sort of twelve hundred quid to fill up, it's now costing us seventeen, eighteen hundred quid. It's almost six hundred pounds per tank of diesel on these larger ones. Not not everything uh, is that size. They're not all as big as that. Um, but yeah, that's that's the biggest one. So you can imagine, you know, our, our fuel costs have risen by 30 to 35 to 40 percent. It's just ridiculous. Sure. And then, you know, I suppose it's finding that balance because the obvious answer would be to pass those costs on to customers. But then, you know, you're up against competition, for example. So how, how are you finding that? Um, well, the thing about our industry, Jamie, is that, that there's the, the demand now is so great um, and, and like most sort of industries, you know, there were, there were a lot of companies, unfortunately, went out of business because of COVID. So we've kind of got, we've got quite a nice problem in the respect that we're able to go back and pass that on. And, and to be fair to, to all of our customers, everybody's just going, yeah, no problem. We accept that. We understand. You know, it's not, it's not something that, that any of us can get away from because it's in the news every minute of every day. Um, it's affecting everybody's lives. So we, we've had to pass that on um, along with the, the rise in, in, in costs and everything else, you know, all our, our maintenance materials, etc., parts, etc. everything's gone up. So it's, it's, it's pretty terrifying, if truth be told. It's, it's a scary place at the moment with regards to how much money goes out the business every every day almost. It's, it's awful. We've also been hearing from Roger Hoggs, who's a self-employed security officer from Chatham. At the moment, with the fuel prices um, going skyrocket high, it's affecting, especially myself as a small business in the security industry. We deal with uh, quite a lot of clienteles doing mobile patrols and site work for them. Um, if the petrol prices go up, will we have to increase our prices? And unfortunately, that's not fair on our clients where we have to increase. 
but it's also going to affect other small businesses where you know where they're not going to be able to afford to one their vehicles and one their companies as well where potentially their companies could collapse due to the cost of the um, fuel prices increase. Well, on last week's podcast, you would have heard from a Kent fuel campaigner who's calling for an emergency cut in duty and also for something called Pump Watch to be set up. Now, that would keep a check on prices and make the system more transparent. Again, we'd like to know what you think on this story. You can message us by heading to our socials. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. A convicted killer has been back in court after harassing a barmaid at a pub in Gravesend. Edward Ives served eight years for manslaughter after beating a stranger to death in a Dartford kebab shop in 2012. The 34-year-old from Sheppey Beach Villas in Laysdown has admitted breaching a court order at the Rose Pub last January. He was given an eight-month sentence. A boy has been flown to a London hospital after falling from rocks in Margate. The air ambulance was called to Dane Park yesterday evening along with police and ambulance crews. He's thought to be in his early teens and may have suffered serious injuries. Now, plans for a new secondary school in Ashford are set to be approved despite fears over traffic. Some residents are worried children could be at risk at the new Chilmington Green Academy just off the busy A28. It's part of a new estate with nearly 6,000 homes and developers insist there are no safety concerns. Plans for an amphitheatre and skate park have been dropped from plans to regenerate Canterbury. The council's putting forward a funding bid for £20 million as part of the government's levelling up scheme. They've refined proposals after putting the ideas out to public consultation and calculating the costs. It was Pride in Canterbury over the weekend and now an audio trail which shares the experiences of the LGBTQ plus community has launched in May. Maidstone. The Not A Phase Tour celebrates real-life stories through a series of interactive QR codes dotted around the town centre. Many of those stories have been centred around nightclubs and bars. Amy Riley is Youth and Outreach Director at the Hazlitt Theatre in Maidstone, who've set it up. Trying to get people to put their stories in and kind of submit quite a big part of themselves is is a challenge but I think kind of the stories that are coming out from this are really beautiful and actually a kind of uh, the honesty of people in Maidstone to share them has been really really lovely for us. At the moment a lot of the stories have been centred around uh, nightclubs or bars so hopefully there'll be some popping up around there but they'll be scattered all around Maidstone and I think some of the stories aren't necessarily significant to just the town centre and I think that's important so hoping to share some of those stories in other places as well. My hope would be that it means that it opens up a conversation and it kind of sparks a bit of a revolution in terms of what is available for LGBTQ plus people in Maidstone. Kent Online reports. A new coach service is going to run between Kent and Stansted Airport. It'll start in Canterbury before calling at Maidstone, Chatham, Bluewater and Stratford. The Medway-based Kings Ferry are running it on behalf of National Express with tickets starting from just £8.50. Elsewhere, tickets to see Michael McIntyre in Kent have sold out in just minutes. He's doing a surprise stand-up show in Canterbury later this month. 
Now, there's a warning some wildlife species are in decline across Kent, so we're being told we need to take extra care of our gardens. Some pollinators, as well as moths and butterflies, are facing problems because of things like climate change and habitat loss. In fact, a study that was released last month that we also talked about on the podcast showed that populations of flying insects have decreased by 60% in the last 20 years. That was findings by Kent Wildlife Trust. Now, we've been chatting to Morris Hankinson, who's from Hope's Groves Nurseries in Tenterden. So many pollinators, bees especially, butterflies, um, they're in decline because they're losing their habitat. We've intensified our food production and uh, that often involves more intensive farming practices and the wildlife are suffering. Yeah, so we really do need to encourage them. It's really important. Does climate change kind of play into that as well? It is. I think a lot of uh, a lot of our native flowers and uh, our garden flowers as well. They're flowering at different times. They're flowering earlier. Sometimes when uh, these insects come out of pollination, some of their important food sources have flowered and finished. So yeah, it's it's real and it's happening now. It's serious. And why are pollinators so important firstly uh, but secondly you know what are some of the dangers if we don't take positive steps to encourage that wildlife oh they're important for two reasons you know firstly they're they're part of the ecosystem they're an important part of the food chain you know ecologically and secondly they pollinate an awful lot of our food crops so we're gonna suffer shortages of food if crops don't get pollinated and then what are some of the positive steps that we can take in our own gardens at home to encourage that wildlife? Well, that's easy. There's a million steps you can do to make your garden more friendly towards uh, wildlife and insects and pollinators in particular. And they can start with uh, sort of zero effort. You can not mow your lawn. You can let it get a bit longer, let the dandelions and the daisies flower and straight away from doing nothing you've helped out there's an immediate food source for bees and all manner of other insects or you can be a little more pre-meditated and uh, put a bit more effort in you can plant uh, nectar source plants in your garden brightly colored things like lavenders and daisies and this could be good or bad for the gardeners depending on how you look at it we could get temperatures of 30 degrees in kent this week forecasters say friday will be the first properly hot summer's day of the year more heat waves are also predicted over the next few months well that's all from us for today thanks ever so much for listening don't forget you can follow us on facebook twitter and instagram you can also get access to the ad free kent online premium site to do it you need to subscribe just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe news you can trust this is the kent online podcast This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.